بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم we continue into the book of fasting from بلوغ المرام and uh, the author رحمه الله put a title now a chapter باب صوم التطوع chapter on voluntary or voluntary fast quote and quote uh, but the term تطوع uh, meaning is to do الطاعه to perform الطاعه and الطاعه is obedience however technically it refers to that obedience which is not obligatory so that's why they distinguish and they say farida and tatawa fard and tatawa that which is fard and that which is tatawa otherwise uh, tatawa is from <coughs> the action of obedience whether it is uh, obligated or nafil fard or nafil qala allah ta'ala in surah al-baqarah 258 in as-safa wal marwata min sha'ir allah faman hajja al-bayta wa i'tamara fala junaha alayhi an yatawaffa bihima wa man tatawwa khayran fa inna allah shakirun alim Verily, As-Safa and Al-Marwa are of the symbols of Allah, so it is not uh, a sin on whom who performs Hajj or Umrah of the house to perform the going tawaf between them. And whoever does good voluntarily, I mean act voluntarily, then verily Allah is all recognizer, all knowledgeable, uh, knowledgeable or know, all uh, knower. Tatawa uh, meaning acted on obedience, then Allah is all recognizer, all uh, knower. So in origin, a tatawa is doing the act uh, of uh, obedience, whether it is obligated or not. However, what is conventional between the fuqaha, the scholars, uh, is that a tatawa uh, refers to the act of worship that is not obligated. Is that clear so far? And it is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has set uh, for the acts of worship that are obligatory, has set for them acts of worship that are voluntarily, which correct uh, any kind of defect which may occur in the mandatory acts of worship. And so therefore, as-salah has its own tatawa, has its own voluntary acts of worship. And the sadaqah as well, similarly with fasting, and hajj as well. And the uh, being righteous towards the parents uh, has an obligation aspect and also a voluntary aspect and so forth. Now, then the author said, a chapter on uh, the tatawa uh, on uh, the voluntary uh, act of worship of fasting وَمَا نُهِيَ عَنْ صَوْمِ and that which is forbidden to be uh, uh, fasting uh, forbidden to fast then he put the first hadith of Abi Qatada al-Ansari عن Abi Qatada al-Ansari رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم سئل عن صوم يوم عرفة فقال يكفر السنة الماضية والباقية 
وسئل عن صوم يوم عاشوراء فقال يكفر السنة الماضية وسئل عن صوم يوم الاثنين فقال ذلك يوم ولدت فيه وبعثت فيه أو أنزل علي فيه رواه مسلم The hadith narrated by Abu Qatad al-Ansari radiyallahu anhu that Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked about the fast on the day of Arafah whereupon he said it expiates the sins of the preceding year and the coming year. And he was asked about the fasting on the day of Ashura whereupon he said it expiates the sins of the preceding year. Uh, he was then asked about fasting on Monday whereupon he said this is the day on which I was born. Uh, and on it I was commissioned with prophethood and on it the Quran was revealed to me so he was asked uh, this is uh, grammatically as you can tell there is no mention of the uh, of the uh, of the uh, person who asked uh, because what is intended here is to know the ruling not to know the one who raised the question Unless uh, there will be situations where uh, there is a certain description or a quality of the one who raises the question uh, whereby it may affect the ruling and therefore in that case it is important and it's a must to know the person who raises the question. So this is a benefit when there is no mentioning of the person who raised a question to the Prophet when he was asked about the fasting of the day of Arafah, the day of Arafah is, uh, occurs on the 9th of the Hijjah. 9th, on the 9th of the 12th month of the, of the Islamic calendar. And so it expiates, uh, covers the sins of the past year and the uh, future year. Uh, as in one narration, and the year that comes after. And when he was asked about Psalm, Yawm uh, Ashura, the day of Ashura, and this is the tenth day from the month of Al Muharram, which is the first month of the Islamic calendar. And so he said, uh, it expires the sins of the preceding year. And when asked about the day of Al Ithnain, the Monday, and Monday is the third day of the week. Uh, um, based on the, that the beginning of the day of the week is Saturday and uh, that is because the day of Jum'ah is Eid uh, is Eid uh, of the week and it is the last day of the week <coughs> uh, so he said meaning the day of Monday is a day of uh, the day that, that, that is the day on which I was born and on it I was commissioned with prophethood and on it the Quran was revealed to me and as you can tell here uh, in the original hadith the original hadith on it I was commissioned with prophethood or, or, or the Quran was revealed to me and or here is a doubt from the narrator uh, in some copies there is what you see وَأُنزِلَ alay and on it the Quran was revealed and this is a mistake because in Sahih Muslim which is the origin أَوْ أُنزِلَ or the Quran was revealed to me so or here is because of 
<coughs> without from the narrator. Uh, <coughs> now, whether this will uh, change the meaning between uh, the, whether there is a difference in meaning between uh, commissioning with prophethood and uh, the revelation. Uh, no. One opinion is that there is no difference in that because between uh, commissioning in prophethood and Quran was revealed because because he was commissioned with prophethood by the revelation of the Quran but if someone asks the question rather there is a difference between them because uh, the Quran was revealed to him before he was sent uh, uh, a commission to prophethood uh, so when the Quran was revealed upon him uh, uh, he became a prophet and when he was ordered to proclaim, he وسلم, became a messenger, and this is the meaning of al-ba'ath, uh, uh, sending. Uh, the answer is, if there is a difference, and we uh, assume if there is a difference, uh, then in that case there will be significance. In this case, there will be significance between the uh, sending and the revelation. But if the meaning is the same, and uh, there is a, uh, a generality whereby the term al-ba'th uh, uh, is general for the revelation as well, uh, or the opposite, the uh, revelation is also general for the commissioning, because prophethood... Uh, occurred with the revelation Iqra, uh, recite and this is the beginning of the commissioning otherwise we know that uh, the sending did not occur uh, uh, except in the saying of Allah Ya ayyuhal muddathir or you are wrapped up Qum fa'andir the benefits of this hadith keenness of the companions concerning the uh, legal knowledge when they asked about the fasting of the day of Arafah and the day of Ashura and the day of Monday. And when the companions ask, uh, they don't ask just to know the ruling. They don't ask only for knowing the ruling, but rather to act upon it and be truthful regarding it. In contrast with the situation of many people in our times, they ask to know the ruling and if it's agreeable to them, they will take by it. Otherwise, they will seek another person to give them fatwa. And this is from seeking the dispensations based on desire. And the scholars had warned concerning this. Whoever does this, and this is considered to be disobedience, fisk. And in fact, some of them even used a stern or a severe statement. Uh, when they said it is heretic because they follow desires they follow the desires now if someone asks the question uh, when a person asks a student of knowledge and he gives him fatwa regarding his question but he is not convinced 
does not become convinced by it, uh, thinking that because he is not uh, well established in knowledge, in his opinion, in the opinion of the one who asks, or because of lack of uh, taqwa. But due to necessity, he acted upon the opinion of this student of knowledge whom he asked while having the intention by the one who asked having the intention to ask someone else now the question is uh, is it this okay for him to do and ask the answer is yes he can ask and this occurs a lot now if he hears two two opinions two different opinions by two scholars by which one he should take by which one he should take first opinion is that if one of the two scholars according to the person asks the question uh, is more knowledgeable and more in terms of uh, taqwa and his deen he, he takes by it and if they are the same to him then one opinion is that he has the choice the other opinion is that he takes by the hardest uh, opinion because it is in this case precautionary and relieves his responsibility so if one of the scholars tells him this is obligation the matter he asked about and the other says this is recommended so in this case according to this opinion he takes by the one who says it is an obligation because if he would do it the other one the other scholars will not consider him sinful but if he takes by the opinion of the other scholar that it is recommended and then he abandons it then the other scholar who said it is obligatory will consider him sinful so in this case to free his responsibility he takes by that which is harder you understand so far the opinions and the third opinion and, and the third opinion he takes by the easiest or by the easier and this is the closest opinion this is the closest opinion because in origin the principle in origin there is no binding upon him and he is free from responsibility and because easiness is closer to the to the uh, to the essence of the Sharia, because Sharia, the the Islamic Sharia is based upon easiness, and as long as the matter is not clear that the truth is in the hardest position, so in this case I am okay, and I, you know, I take by that which is easier. And all praise is due to Allah. 
Is that clear? So this is the the uh, closest opinion, the third one that he takes by the easier. Five. Suppose he takes by the easier one or by the hardest one, or he uh, he had the choice. Then afterwards, it became clear to him the preponderance of one of the scholar's opinions over the other one. Then he takes by it. Then he takes by his opinion. But it's still possible that it may not be binding upon him to take by it, especially in a case that already had, uh, had been concluded. Had been concluded. Like for example, if the scholars differed regarding the, the validity of a contract, and it has been concluded, then afterwards it became clear that the correct opinion is the opinion of the one who said that the contract is invalid. Then we say, as long as he feared Allah in the very beginning, then he had done what is obligated upon him. And since he had done what is obligated upon him, then, <coughs> then uh, he is not to be uh, requested to <coughs> make it binding upon him to do, to do it over. To do it over. Another example. A person asked two scholars, Regarding a situation whereby he prayed in a, an impure, having an impure cloth on him. And he knew that the impurity was there before the Salah. You understand the case? You understand the case? One of them said to him, one of the scholars answered and said, repeat the salah, make the salah over. The other said, no. So he took, according to the opinion which you heard earlier that it is the closest one, that not to repeat, not to do it over. Then afterwards, it became clear that the opinion was with the one who said that it is obligatory upon you to redo the Salah. Now, in this case, it is not binding upon him to repeat. Why? Because he held to the second opinion and he was convinced that this is the opinion which he has uh, to abide by and be responsible before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so therefore in this case it is not binding upon him to repeat ok and in our times in our times those who give fatwa are numerous many without knowledge although having good intention in that which we think on most of them.
but one should know who is the Mufti and who can make fatwa what is his rank and degree in terms of knowledge what is his rank and degree in terms of wara, fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and having taqwa because this is deen and some of the salaf said in hadha al-ilm deen this knowledge is a deen is is religion then fanduru amman ta'khudhu deenakum then examine carefully as to whom you take your knowledge from so therefore we must verify and not hasten especially in matters which oppose the what is established with people because when people are on something then in general they took it from their scholars and if it is as such that they had taken it from the scholars then opposing the scholars who are amongst the people of this community or this town is uh, a great mistake but there are people who take the position of oppose uh, to be known and some of them they say oppose that so that you may be mentioned so therefore what's duty upon the mufti is to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and know that he is expressing the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that Allah the most high will ask him and alhamdulillah since you may not have a dalil or evidence with you and there is no necessity on you to uh, imitate because there is someone who is uh, mujtahid then refer the matter to other than you but in situations like this should you say if you want to refer the matter to other than you should you say go to this such and such or you make it general and say ask the scholars Imam Ahmad rahimahullah used not to refer to a particular person and whenever he was asked about something and he refrained regarding the issue or he didn't want to answer he used to say go to the scholars go to the scholars and our Shaykh Rahimahullah took the position that if you know by your saying go to the scholars that this person who asked you will go to someone who may have a huge turban and long sleeves and long siwak 
dressed with green. His eyes uh, filled with kuhl. And his siwak is in his mouth. But he is more ignorant than his own donkey. If you fear that he will go to this type of people, then in this case you must you must specify to whom he should go, lest he be deceived. Because many people get deceived. And the Shaykh the Shaykh mentioned that he knew uh, a person having a high, high rank giving fatwa to people, strange fatwa not even the common Muslim would do so in this case when these things happen and you fear if you don't know of a particular answer to a question and if you fear if you say to the person go to the scholars he may go to a certain one or some of them whom you heard their descriptions then in this case it is uh, an obligation on you to specify to whom he should go we learned from this hadith the keenness of the sahaba concerning the legal knowledge and why the answer they knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept worship except that which is in agreement with Sharia because of the hadith of the because of the saying of the Prophet وسلم, whoever does an action which is not in accordance with our command will have it rejected. So they seek the knowledge so that they worship Allah based on it, on clarity of knowledge. And from the benefits of this hadith is the recommendation to fast the day of Arafah. because of the reward established with its fasting and the, ro- the reward of concern, the reward it may be due to it can be in the form of attaining what is sought and it could be in the form of lifting something disliked and in this hadith from the second part, we said we, we, we learn it expires the sins of the preceding year. This is lifting something disliked. And it can be the reward by missing something beloved or liked. Like the saying of the Prophet. As in Sahih al-Bukhari, volume 3, book 39, uh, hadith 515, whoever keeps a dog, then one qirat of the reward of his good deeds is deducted daily. 
is deducted daily unless the dog is used for guarding or farm or a cattle and in another narration unless it is used for guarding sheep or farms or for hunting so in this case there is a warning not to keep dogs except those excluded because if you keep them then you will use the reward you see that a reward which you seek and which you like if you keep them you will lose the reward what's apparent what's apparent from the hadith that it is sunnah to fast the day of Arafah generally however there is an exception there is an exception and that is for the person performing Hajj he does not fast the day of Arafah because the Prophet ﷺ did not fast the day of Arafah rather it is reported that he forbade the fasting of the day of Arafah in Arafah so therefore there is an exception that is applicable to the Hajj the person performing the pilgrimage he does not, he does not fast the day of Arafah and from the benefits of this hadith is that with this exception mentioned uh, that a, a person may leave something good for that which is better how is this? To have full time in Arafah for dua, invocation and remembrance with activity and openness of the chest is better than fasting. Although there is a great reward and benefit of fasting and that is the expiation of two years. However, we say the preservation of the uh, ritual of dua and dhikr concerning the Hajj in this case Arafah if the fasting would prevent that then it is better to preserve the ritual in this hadith there is also the recommendation to fast the day of Ashura because it expiates the previous sin and expiation of sins is a reward if someone asks what is the wisdom the wisdom from this is that on the day of Ashura is a day is a day on which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Prophet Musa alayhi salam and his people and drowned Pharaoh the Pharaoh and his people and when the Prophet وسلم, came to Medina, he found the people fasting the day of Ashura. And they said that this is the day on which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Musa السلام, and his people and drowned Pharaoh and his people. So we fasted, we fast this day in gratitude. So the Prophet ﷺ said 
نحن اولى بموسى منكم and this is in bukhari and muslim and in bukhari volume 3 book 31 hadith 227 we have more claim over Musa over Moses than you and than the Jews so he fasted the day and he commanded the people to fast now the next benefit is that fasting the day of Arafah is better than fasting the day of Ashura and the evidence from the hadith is clear. That is the fasting of the day of Arafah expiates two years. And fasting the day of Ashura expiates one year. In this hadith also there is indication indication that it is praiseworthy to fast the day of Monday indication but the hadith is not explicit you, you understand the hadith though is not explicit when he was asked about fasting Monday whereupon he said this is the day on which I was born etc and so uh, fasting it is sought but the indication of it being recommended it is not as that established for the day of Arafah and the day of Ashura and the Hadith and that is clear because fasting the two days there is incitement and there is clarity in terms of the incitement in this one however it is not clear however the fact that the Prophet mentioned that he was born on this day and that he was commissioned on this day indicates that it has a distinction indicates that it has a distinction is that clear? however some however some took this hadith some of the scholars took this hadith as uh, reference that it is sunnah to celebrate the night of the Prophet Sallallahu birth and they said that this hadith indicates that the day on which he was born and the day he was commissioned, etc., has a distinction. However, they went far, far in their search, and they missed in their conclusion and in their deduction, and they became like the drowned who clings to water moss you know the water moss M-O-S-S which floats on the water seaweed and the like 
that is the, a drowning person if he clings to this it will even make his situation worse right so the hadith first of all does not indicate specification of a day of a month because those who celebrate the night of the twelfth of the month right does the hadith specify a day of a month rather it specifies the day from the week and you have taken it to specify a day from the month You see, they celebrate this night of the 12th of the month, whether it occurs on Monday or Sunday or Friday or any day of the, of the, of the week. You understand? This is one angle. Tayyip, let me ask you. These people who celebrate, they celebrate the night of the 12th from the month, right? And whether this agrees, you know, that the day is Monday, or Sunday, or Friday, or any of day of the day, of the week. Right? But the hadith does not specify that. The hadith specifies a day from the week. And you had specified it as a day of the month. You say the night of the twelfth. The second thing is that what is affirmed based on certainty concerning the day of his birth, that his birth was on the 9th, alayhi salatu Not to mention that there are six other or seven other sayings, and there is no agreement amongst them. Thirdly, the Prophet sallallahu did not mention for this day any distinctions except with respect to fasting. Except with respect to fasting, right? An indication even. Right? So, you people who celebrate this night of his birthday as you claim, do you fast that day? Do you fast that day? The answer is they don't. So, if you fast on this day, then we may say that the fasting may be beneficial. Although we say that it is bid'ah, innovation, if you specify it by way of the month, not by way of the week, as mentioned earlier. So therefore they are away in terms of the manner of magnifying this day in which he was born, and also in the specification of the day he was born. As I mentioned earlier, they cling to this shubha, just like the clinging of the drowning person with the floating moss on the water surface, on the surface of the water. 
we'll stop here inshallah ta'ala and we'll continue the rest next time subhanakallah wa alhamdulillah ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik